you so much for listening to our podcast today at Word of Life. We know summer is busy with traveling and all things fun, but we have good news for you. You can stay in church even while on vacation through our online campus. You can watch live on Sundays at 10 and 1130 and get fed throughout the week with inspiring articles, message series, and so much more at thelifeonline.cc. Thank you for listening and enjoy the message. I don't know about you. I don't know if it's the season. I don't know if it's just the, the days being longer. We just get more time to think. But recently, I've just been challenged to believe for more. And not just, not just money or anything, but I, I, I want to share this challenge of believing for the impossible. If we know a God who does the impossible, if, if his power abides in us, then why not? Then, then why not believe for everything that God can do for our lives today? And there's a Bible verse that's in my heart. And it's 2 Corinthians 1.9 that says, In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. Uh, I believe in a God that can do things out of nothing, right? I believe in a God that he didn't need precedent to be able to create the heavens and the earth. He spoke it and it happened. I believe in a God that can go into a fishless lake and then cause so many fish to come out of that lake that it topples boats completely. I believe in a God that only needs two loaves of bread, two, you know, five loaves of bread, two fishes to be able to feed a multitude. He does not need precedent. He only needs what he has. It's his power and it is made available today. So I believe when I say I'm not believing for the emotion of it, I'm just believing for him to be real in our lives today. That those things, and as I was praying this morning, God put it in my heart that those things that we are believing for, we are about to walk in. And because of that, we, we, he does fill our mouths with joy and laughter. And although weeping may endure for the night, joy does come in the morning. And he fills your mouth with laughter. And whatever you have sown in tears, you will reap with rejoicing. And that God is here today. So it is made available today. So don't, don't make a crazy Colombian come and shake you. Right. Just just believe it today that God is just as good today as he was on your best days. Yeah. And he's just as loving as he was back then. And he's just as loving today. He wants to do it today. And so I'm believing for that. Anyway, let, let's go back to to sharpening the saw. <laughs> it, it, for those of you that might not know, but my brother also lives here, Sam, uh, Sammy, and, and he's uh, part of the team at the cafe and does all the coffee and everything. So recently, he started living with us again. He, he's changing apartments. So anyway, he, he's with us for a, a couple of weeks. And, and my life really changed once he came into our lives, especially once he started doing stuff in the kitchen. So he's very good at cooking. He's very good at doing coffee, all of these things. But one of the things that really transformed our lives was he brought in a knife sharpener into our kitchen. So I didn't know my knives needed to be sharpened. Uh, but to be honest, there was there's only one reason why we like chopped thick onions and it's because our knives couldn't do anything else. 
So that was just our preference. All we're going to eat was like if we're going to cut something, it's just going to be thick and chunky and chopped because that's all our knives could do. And so he comes in, he's got this long stick, and then he's got like these uh, other stones where you put water on it, and, and he just starts sharpening. And then all of a sudden, uh, I start to realize what minced meant, right? I, I started to, to understand what, you know, tiny, very fine cut anything meant. And I'm like, oh, this, this actually tastes better than the large chunks of onion that we were eating. And all it was is, is a knife. And, and did you know that there are few things as dangerous as a dull knife in the kitchen? Uh, it's same thing with lumberjacks. And back in the day, there, there was nothing as dangerous as a dull axe. If you're trying to chop down a tree and if you have a dull axe, not only will it take more time, but it might be dangerous for you. It might bounce back and hit you. And so I was reminded of a story of lumberjack lore where there is this older lumberjack and this younger lumberjack and they have kind of like this, they come together and they want to see who can chop down more trees. And so the, the young man, obviously, he's got strength, he's got energy, he knows he's going to win. So they start the, the, they start the day and they're chopping down wood. And then the younger guy starts to see that the older guy goes and sits down for a while. So now he knows, obviously, he's going to win because he doesn't stop. And this guy, he's stopping to rest, to catch a breather, to go to the bathroom. I mean, like, whatever he's doing, he's not putting in the time that he needs. At the end of the day, they start counting how many trees each one had chopped. And the older guy did 30% more trees than the younger guy. So he can't believe this, so he goes up to him and he tells him, listen, how does this work? How is it that you not only took breaks, I'm younger, I'm stronger, I'm faster, and yet you chopped more wood than I did? What's the, what's the secret? Or, you know, what, what did you do? And he tells him something, and this is where we're going to start uh, the message of today. But he tells him, well, you know, every time I sat down, I just wasn't lying around. I was sharpening my axe. Because a, a sharp axe makes for less work. Because it's efficient in what we do. The, the word of God says that the effective prayer of the righteous man availeth much or makes much power available. Sometimes in our mind, we have the mentality of the, the more I do, the more I do, the, the more I work, you know, it's, it's, it's going to produce more. And, and there is some truth to that. But at the same time, how effective are you at what you are doing? Sometimes we need to take a step back. We need a rest and then we need to sharpen our skills. Not only that, but sometimes we need to find our edge again. You know, our, our edge in worship, our edge in marriage, our edge in relationships, our, our edge in what we do. We sometimes continue to do what we're doing without stopping and sharpening what we have to do. And so I, I do want to talk about this. It, um, so the title Sharpen the Saw comes from the seventh habit of a book titled Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. 
And he talks about four areas that we need to sharpen, the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual areas. And I believe all of this is true and should be applied into our life. You know, Proverbs 4, verses 5 and 7 says, Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. So the word of God, you know, challenges us to to get wisdom, to take the time and not only rest, but to read and to acquire wisdom and acquire knowledge and know how to work things. For those of you that might not know the difference between what it is to have knowledge and what it is to have understanding, the, the best way that's been illustrated to me is knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit, but wisdom is knowing that you don't put tomatoes in a fruit salad, right? It's just it's applying the knowledge that you know and the, the word of God pushes us to get knowledge. The word of God also says for Timothy 4.8, for bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So let me say this, there's nothing more dangerous to Christianity than a dull Christian. We need to stay sharp. No, we, we can't be scared of people asking us the hard questions. And sometimes just because we've been going at it for years and haven't stopped, it, we become dull in our Christian life and in our Christian relationship. And, and the, the goal for this message is just to challenge you to sharpen your saw again, to sharpen your prayer life again. To char- and what that means is you're going to have to take the time in order to do it. It would seem that many of us go through seasons where we may lose our edge, where we sing the songs, do the work, where we obey, where we serve, uh, where we do all these things, but there's no efficiency in our prayer. There is no passion in our praise. And I've come to tell you, I've come to tell myself that we need more of the presence of God in our life. More than what we produce is where we live, is where we abide. And if you are not abiding in the presence of God and letting God sharpen your prayer life and sharpen those things that need to be sharpened, the Christianity that we profess becomes dull. So there is something so relieving about doing things under the power of God. If you read the word of God, you know, there's people that are shouting walls down There's people that are propelling rocks towards giants. There's people that are running faster than horses. There's people that are walking through rivers and stuff like that. And it's not because they gain more knowledge and wisdom. It's because they had the power of God on their life. It's because they had the presence of God in their life to where it was easy. And, you know, that's the biggest testimony that we can have is that wherever we are situated, people can't believe how we got there, how we live, how we smile how we laugh how we have peace and our only testimony is well see it's because it isn't us it's the power of God that is in our life and it's the presence of God that is in our life this is not about what I have been able to do it's about everything that God has accomplished through my life that's why we say to him be the glory in the church that's why we give him all the glory and him all the honor and him all the praise because it's not something that I've done it's everything that he is in my my life. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30. I, I want to give a scripture, enough scripture, 
Because I want us to take this home with us and start to at least chew on it as we go to work and start carving out time to spend time with him. Just like the old lumberjack would sit down and sharpen his, uh, sharpen his edge, sharpen his axe, we also need to start taking out time to, to go to the Father and to sharpen our prayer life, to sharpen our praise. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28-30 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's one thing here that the word of God says. Now we know what the result of going to God is, but there's one commandment. is come to me. Have we answered the call to go to the Father? Throughout your week, do you take the time to sharpen your prayer life? Throughout the week, do you take the time to go into the presence of God and just abide in his presence? See, there's so much richness in abiding. John chapter 11, it talks about it, and Jesus mentions it. Abide in me. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, and if you abide in me. And he mentions it over 11 times. See, he, he wants us to abide. And there's people that might say, but you don't understand understand how busy I am. You don't understand that there really is no time to do this. And if I could respond to that, you really can't afford not to have it sharpened. You really can't afford not to spend time in the presence of God. I remember my dad, he's a pastor back home in Colombia, and there was this one January, he just woke up, it was a new year, and he said, we're going to we're going to, for this month, we're going to have intense prayer time. So in my mind, intense prayer time, like, okay, so we're going to go for like an hour, maybe two intense. And he's like, oh, we're going to go for five hours a day. So I told him, okay, so first of all, let me be the first to say I quit. Uh, (laughs) Because there is no way we're doing five hours. There's just no way. And so, so he, he split it to where we would go in at the church at 6 a.m., pray from 6 to 8, and then from 5 to 8 in the afternoon. So, so I fought this for two weeks straight. Like, I, I, I mean, I had people with me. We were starting a church union. Like, we were, it, 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 was, it was happening. I mean, because, I mean, we were not going to have this oppression over our life. <laughs> Of making us over pray. I would tell my dad, you know, there's something like, I mean, I think the angels are tired of hearing us. It's just too much prayer. But one thing I noticed was, I mean, my dad doesn't budge ever. He's just one of those where he decided he knew what God said. And he was like, I mean, you can complain, you can whatever, but we're going to pray from six to eight and then from five to eight uh, in the afternoons. And so we're praying, we're praying. By like the third week, I start noticing something very interesting. And it's how, one, how efficient we were being at everything that we were doing. Uh, uh, two, how, how we actually were able to carve out the time to be able to do it. And then number three, the rest of the year was just filled with so many things that only God could do. I remember that year, one of the things, I probably uh, told this story before, but uh, I, the, the government came in and told us that we had to redo this street and it was going to cost hundreds of thousands of dollars and for some reason it was the church's uh, responsibility to do it 
And so we didn't want to do it. We didn't have the money for it, but we were praying and we had prayed. And then all of a sudden this other government agency comes and tells us that they have to change like the aqueduct and they have to change the pipes uh, of that street. So they told us that we're sorry, we're going to have to change the pipes all around your church. Uh, but don't worry, once we're finished, we'll pave the whole thing for you. And so it, it's, it's so funny that the government paid itself. Like <laughs> They just did their own thing. But I started to realize, okay, okay, no, no, no. See, see this is what happens when, when you have the presence of God over your life. It, it's easier to swing the axe when it's sharp. It's easier to pray when you've been there before. It's easier to believe when you haven't left his presence and you know in whom you are believing. See, this is one of the problems and the conflicts that we have is that we know what to believe for. We know what we're believing, but it's kind of hard to believe that it might happen because we forget in whom we are believing. But when you remind yourself that the God of the impossible is who has this in his agenda, then even if it is impossible, it's still possible for him. So we don't have to see how he's going to do it. We don't have to see when he's going to do it. We just know that he will do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask and all we could think. So I don't even have to think about the answer. I might not even ask for the answer because I don't know what the answer is. And yet I still know God can do it because unto him be the glory because he is the God of the impossible. Listen, when we were praying today, and let me, let me just make the parentheses, and let me invite you every Sunday morning at 9.30, we have what we call the upper Zoom for all of the people that are online. And you're invited as well, and everyone that is online, I want to remind you. But today, we were praying for that. We were praying for the impossible. Because I believe we need to be the church that knows the impossible, is not surprised by the impossible. It is a supernatural life, but guess what? The supernatural lives inside of us. So, we, so we, we shouldn't be surprised at the supernatural. We can be amazed. We can be thankful. We can be worshipful for the supernatural. But when supernatural things happen in our life, we shouldn't be like, oh, my gosh. Because it is your God. And that's how, we do, that's how he does what he does. And I'm believing that we get filled with testimonies by being filled with him. To where it's easy. It's easy. See, the, the, the word of God says, Jesus said, my burden is easy. My yoke is light. It should be easy. If you give it enough time to sharpen your axe, swinging an axe that's sharp is easy. And the Christian life gets easier, gets lighter. But you got to put in the time to sharpen yourself. Isaiah 40, verse 29 to 31 says, he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. And even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord. I like the connotation of wait here in this Bible verse because it's an active type of wait. It's like when you are sharpening your sword, when you are sharpening your knife in the kitchen, that you're really not moving forward, but what you're doing is going to help you move forward at a faster rate. See, when, when, when you pray and when you come to church, it's not like you, you're taking time and pausing your life. What you're actually doing here and what happens now and what happens in the presence of God is actually going to help you move forward at a faster rate. If you, if you even talk with Pastor Joel, he'll tell you that he, he can remember 
remember the times he sharpened his prayer life and when things happened like Highland Colony and Fondren Campus and it just happened so seamlessly and so easy and people say, is it luck? No, it was preparation. It was preparation for those moments to where it just doesn't shock you because, oh yeah, we prayed for that like five years ago. It happens. Oh yeah, we, we were prepared for that. Like whenever the tree came, we, we knew how to swing. Because we had prepared for it. And I know preparation time it seems like wasted time. And we know, we know the, the, the phrase that it isn't. But let, let me challenge you today to carve out some time to wait on the Lord. It says, because those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Uh, I remember a story of Napoleon Bonaparte, this famous army general of France, and you know, a lot of wars, a lot of things that he did. But he, he's famous for one phrase. He would say, dress me slowly because I'm in a hurry. And he would always tell the people that were putting on his clothes, he's like, no, no, dress me slowly because I'm in a hurry. And so I want you to do this right so that when I am in battle, I, I don't have to think about my pants falling, right? Or I don't have to think because my jacket is, a, is not letting me swing enough. And I think we should adapt the same principle into our lives that as we go out into the war that is life sometimes, make sure you dress yourself slowly with the word of God, that you, that you are ready for whatever is about to to happen because you took the time to prepare. So I want our lives to be like Jesus said. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. We shouldn't stray away from these things, but we should take the time to do this. It's kind of like getting gas for your car. You're going to have to stop. You're going to have to stop and make the time to put gas in the car. If you want to go far, you're going to have to take the time and stop. And for some reason, we think that in our Christian life, it has to be different, that we can't stop. We have to go, 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 go. But if you read Psalms 23, before God prepares the table in the presence of his enemies, he makes them lie down in green pastures. He restores their soul. There is a rest that is necessary even for walking into the promised land. So let's allow ourselves the time every day. To, to rest in his presence. I, I remember a story in the Bible, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1 through 7. The, the story, we can read it. It says, one day the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, as you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead. Please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. So he went with them, and when they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. He said, oh, sir, he cried. It was a borrowed axe. So you know he was going through financial stuff because he didn't even own the axe. He had to ask for it. It says, where did it fall, the man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said, and the man reached out and grabbed it. So the, I think that this young man's story represents the story of a lot of us where we've been doing what we're supposed to be doing, and yet we lost our edge. 
right? Like we, we, we lose our axe head. Like you, you come and worship and praise, but it's just, it's just not the same. It's like you're, you're swinging a stick, but it's, it's not even an axe anymore because you lost the, the axe head. You, 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 you lost the, the principle that, that, that which made you move forward and have anticipation when you would come to church or when you would pray and just in anticipation of what God could do in your life. He was already in an economical crisis because the axe wasn't even his. And I believe uh, a lot of us could be going through the same thing. Uh, Our passion, our anointing, our consecration, our spiritual edge might just be lost in in the work that we've been doing in in trying to maintain a stable home and trying to maintain a stable marriage, a stable relationship and trying to increase uh, our our finances. And we're just trying to do the right thing. See, he didn't lose his axe doing the wrong thing. He he lost his axe at doing the right thing. And he was convinced that there is no way to bring it back. There, and some of us, you know, if we were younger, we could say, well, you know, next camp, I'll, I'll, I'll get my edge back, right? Or next conference, I'll get my edge back. But once you're older and there's no more summer camps, there's a lot of people that, and we, and we remember, right? We remember, it's like, oh, man, that camp, you know, I got, I, I got even more vile than this. Like, that was the camp. I, I danced and everything. And now I only go to church and we think that this is not the same God of the camp. But as I was reading through this, uh, I I just wrote something down. It was the the same God that can make iron float can bring your edge back. You you don't need, I mean, you don't need another camp. You do need another encounter with him, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go to some remote area and you get bitten by flies for six days straight until finally the Holy Spirit gets to move. And like, no, I mean, I love it. I love camps. Trust me. But I, I want to encourage you that just like this man, he, he lost the one thing that he had in his hand and it wasn't even his because of financial difficulty. And he goes back to Elisha and Elisha's like, where is it? And then he makes iron float. Those of you that don't know, iron does not float. It was the impossible happening in his life. And I believe that the God that raised Christ from the dead, the same power that raised Christ from the dead that lives in us can also bring life into our mortal bodies that whatever is not floating anymore, that whatever dreams, whatever relationships that have been dead can now be alive because we not only serve a God that resurrected, but he said that he is the resurrection and the life. That wherever he is, there is life to dead things that wherever he is, possibilities are endless. And you might not feel it or whatever, but he is here right now. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight, because it's not an emotion that will get us there. It's the truth of God's word that gets you there. That God is here, that what, what was impossible for man is still possible for him. So I decide to believe in that today. This young man, he, he was studying to be a prophet, but found himself swinging an axe. Has your world ever been different from the word that God gave you? Where you're like, I'm, I'm called anointed to be, you know, go to the nations. My dad would always say, you know, because I'd always tell him like, dad, I'm going to the nations. And my dad would always tell me, I mean, if you can't do your chores in this nation. <laughs> he let me finish, he let me finish the quote. 
uh, I, I believe the same thing. You, you, you know, the word that God has given to your life, you know, it's still there. And it, it will not come back void. And heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will remain. But your world, what you're living in and what you're going through might be different. And I think a lot of us find ourselves in the same thing, that we, we want more finances and God is telling us to pray. It, the, the two things don't make sense, right? Like we want a better marriage relationship and God is telling us to serve in church. How does that even work? You know, there's these things that seem to almost contradict themselves, but what we have to realize is God, God wants us to sharpen our edge. God wants us to, and maybe you don't even have an edge, so God wants you to come back to him to find your edge. When he lost his axe, he could have given up, but he was surrounded by the right people. He was in the right place to have a bad day. Make sure that if you are going to have a bad day, that you are in the right place. See, he was, he was, he was with Elisha. Elisha, twice as many miracles as Elijah. You know, raised the kid from the dead. I actually wrote a couple of things down. He struck the river and it parted. He made oil multiply in the widow's home. He raised the kid from the dead, made a poison stew drinkable again, multiplied bread to feed 100 men. He healed Naaman's leprosy. So this young guy was having a bad day, but thank God he was in the right place. He was with the guy that did all these things. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, he used to say, God loves with a great love the man whose heart is bursting with a passion for the impossible. Let me remind you today that we serve the God of Elisha. Elisha might not be here, but the Holy Spirit is. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the God of the impossible. He is here. You might be having a bad day, but let me tell you, you're at the right place. You're at the right place for the impossible to happen. And I'm not saying as you go out, I'm believing for here and for now. I'm believing that right now, people that have been believing for healing, you are healed right now in the name of Jesus. I believe that when you walk out, you get the phone call, right? That you get the acceptance letter. That whatever you've been believing for, you will now be walking in to be the testimony. To be, and I'm just not saying this to hype you up. I'm saying because I believe it. I've seen it. Let me remind you that the God of Elisha, what he has done for this church, he, he has given us land that we have not worked for, right? He's given us people that we haven't even reached out for. He's given us finances. And the same God that did it, he, you are in the right place. Even though you might be having a bad day, this is the right place. God moves here. And we allow him to. So contend for this. Let, let it be something that you long for. Father, we long for you. What was the kid? So what did the kid do? He lost it, and the kid was quick to confess that he lost it. That's the one thing. He's like, I lost it. And, and he went to the man of God. He's like, hey, help me bring it back. Uh, I think a lot of us, we, we waste too much time acting like we didn't lose it. Instead of just confessing, Father God, you know, I, I want that same passion I had back then. Father God, like, I don't have it anymore. I, I'll be honest, but I, I, I know you can bring it back. So I'm asking for the passion again. I'm asking for the consecration again. I'm asking, I'm not going to act like, you know, it's somewhere in the back. Let me go get it. No, no, no. It's lost, Father, but I know you can make iron float. So I pray that you make my prayer float back to me, that you make the relationships float back to me. I, I, I know you can do it. I'll be quick to confess. I saw a phrase that just made me laugh because I love American phrases. It said, denial is a river in Egypt. Right? It, 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 stop denying 
the, the, the facts and just start believing God's word in spite of what you're living through. You will not get anything accomplished by remaining in denial about your situation. And then right after he confessed it, what, what was the next thing that he did? He took quick action when the opportunity presented himself. When the iron floated again, Elisha was quick to say, now grab it. Now grab it again. See, we, we sometimes fail in this, that we come to a service and we're inspired and we're like, all right, we praise again. And you might even cry. I'm a crier. I'm a big time crier when it comes to the presence of God. Like, you know, the presence of God is there. This is John Davis probably crying, right? It's like it's, it, it's something that happens in my life. But be quick to grab it. Because just like it came up, you could lose it again. We, we have to be consistent in these things. If it's important for you, you grab onto it. The moment Elisha put the stick in the water, he had a command, pick it up. Uh, there's a quote that says, a man can fail many times, but he isn't a failure until he begins to blame somebody else. I think a, a lot of us, you know, we, we might find ourselves in that where it's like, oh, you know, I don't praise anymore because that person said this or because that person. Listen, when we get to heaven, like it's going to be a one-on-one -on -one session, right? And there's no one to point fingers to. So whatever they did say, whatever has happened, whatever, you know, they could said about you, whatever, let's leave it in the past and grab onto your edge again. And let's get to sharpening today. Romans 5.3 says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. So even in a bad day, you can still sharpen your axe. So go back to the place you lost your edge and just put it under the blood. Now, the, the Bible doesn't elaborate on this, and so I, I don't want to uh, overextend my translation or, of the Bible. But to me, it's interesting that Elisha got a stick to put in the water to bring back what was lost. And in the same way, Jesus, through the cross, right, brings back everything that is lost in your life. And as we, we enter into his presence and we are reminded of the blood and we are reminded of the cross, it's why Paul used to say that when he would preach, he would preach Jesus and him crucified. Because we have to remember that because of the crucifixion, because of what was placed on the cross, we now have access so I say apply the blood today over your life. Apply the cross today to whatever might have been lost in your life. Today is the day where we boldly approach the throne again. I've, I'm going to conclude. It's okay. Uh, but I, I do want to just uh, take the time. I believe sometimes we rush through these moments. And we don't give time to actually do what we said we we're going to do. I've already talked for like 35 minutes about sharpening the axe. Uh, and I don't want you to leave without having sharpened your axe a little. I'm going to ask you to stand up real quick. That way it forces me to end. Because <laughs> uh, when people start to stand, that's when you know, okay, it's time. I, I want to pray. I want to pray for, for two things. I'll pray, uh, one, if you've lost the edge in, in anything, whether it's your relationships with people, your relationship with God, if you just feel like you're, you're going out chopping wood with, without an axe head, I mean, th this, is, this is where we find it again, in his presence. 
Uh, if you interpret, if, if you study Bible interpretation, usually the metaphor that is used for the Holy Spirit and for the presence of God is water. That wherever the axe head floated was in the water. And I believe that as we enter into his presence, stuff will start to float back to you. Whether it is, whether it is a text message that you get. I'm all about those text messages. I used to not believe in that because I'm like, that's for people that are very high up. Until I got my first text, I'm like, okay, you you are all the god of the texts, right? <laughs> Even with T-Mobile, like it, God, God can do it, right? <laughs> so I'm believing for that, that the axe of your life, whatever that is you've been searching for that you think is lost, comes back to you in the presence of God. And two, <clears throat> I want us to contend for the supernatural. That as we praise and as we worship, let the supernatural be real in our life. Not only in finances, but in everything that we do. That people might know that there is a secret ingredient in our life, and it's the supernatural power of God that is with us, that is for us, the favor of God, the grace of God. That you, you find yourself in places that you might not deserve. You find yourself in places that your, your curriculum and what you've studied and your, your job experience might not be enough. But the reason you are there is because of the God that is in you. Let that be the testimony. Jesus said in Psalms, uh, God said in Psalms 126 that nations should be looking at us and just praising God because, oh, what has happened here is just too much to be quiet. And we've seen it already. Campuses have been given to us. Finances have been given to us. We, we've given them over a million dollars to missionaries. Like, this is the church you're a part of. So you might have, be having a bad day, but you're in the right place. Father God, we just thank you for this day. We just thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to come together as a family, Father, and to boldly approach your throne. Father, we approach you today and we, 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 we ask, we confess first that we might have lost our edge, Father, but we know that you can bring it back. So we ask that you bring it back into our life, Father. Resurrect the dreams. Resurrect the opportunities. Resurrect the passion. You are the resurrection and the life. So we ask for this today. And Father, second of all, we ask for your miraculous working power to be real in our life. Let it not be an emotion. Let it not be an experience. Let it be a lifestyle, Father, in our lives. That even when we're not in the Christian setting, you are still real in our life. That even though we, we might not be surrounded by Christian people all the time, we are surrounded by your presence and people notice. They don't notice how weird we are. They notice how good you are. And we ask for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.